That's how it goes. <laughs> Have you read? I, I think I got you to read this. Uh, Squirrel Girl like takes on the Marvel universe, or Squirrel Girl <laughs> defeats the Marvel universe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. That's on my bookshelf. Um, I I gotten that on discount and loved it. Uh, and yes. Right. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but I think it was Galactus. Same thing. But I'll forgive you because yeah, you wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's pulling out some real knowledge. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, the knowledge. The knowledge is there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. In love, in love with movies. In love, in 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 love, in love. Danny Anthony. In love, in love movies. Da -da -da. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to In Love With Movies. I'm Nick. And I'm Danny. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we do what, Danny? We talk about love and movies. That's pretty much right in the name. It's a pretty good uh, you know, way to do things. It's right where it is. Unlike the field of IO psychology, uh, the name of our podcast does a good job describing exactly what it uh, is. Uh, IO psychology, <laughs> and you see some of our guests are chuckling at this, maybe doesn't do that good of a job at it. But we on In Love With Movies are happy to be joined today uh, by by some colleagues in that field that I know of. Oh, is that why you said IO psychology? Very <clears throat> natural. I didn't... It wasn't forced at all. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we have Gordon Schmidt, Dr. Gordon Schmidt and Dr. Sai Islam. Thank you both for joining us. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Sorry. And uh, they are here to talk today about their friendship. I honestly don't know many of these details. It'll be truly an opening uh, experience for me. I've communicated with each of them to some degree, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know much about how they got to know each other, but they are here plugging a book which is part of the reason that uh, we're having them on today. So movie lovers, you'll want to stay tuned because I think that even if you don't like IO psychology, and even if you're someone who hates every time I bring it up on this podcast, and even <laughs> if you couldn't care less what it is, you might find yourself interested in this book. So Cy Gordon, what is the title of your book? And give us sort of a quick, uh, you know, back of the book blurb about what it is. Sure, I can, I can do that. So our book is Leaders Assemble. Uh, leadership Lessons from the MCU. Uh, and so this book basically tries to teach empirically supported leadership concepts through Marvel superhero movies. Uh, and so each chapter talks about things like servant leadership, shared leadership, conflict, stress. And we look at the Marvel movies and talk about how uh, they're examples of this and how they can help us to learn and get better as a leader. And so it really fits with some stuff sign I've been doing research on in general is this idea of how do I get our field of IO psychology out there for people to use and understand versus put it in a journal and no one ever hears about it or just let, you know, random charlatans on LinkedIn take care of it, right? Like that's just, you know, we need to make sure the right information gets out there. Uh, and so sign, I thought, hey, an engaging, interesting topic like the Marvel movies, and we love the comic books. Yep. Uh, we love the movies. Why don't we use this as a way for people to understand this stuff? And it was an excuse to watch Marvel movies at length as well, which is which is never bad. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the setup of, of the book. And so we're not analyzing the characters and what they're like. We're using the characters to teach you about these topics 
And then you can reflect, how can I be, uh, you know, a servant leader like Captain America? Um, yeah. That maybe Captain America will come up later in this show. Who knows? Spoiler uh, <laughs> alert. <laughs> well, I think that's super cool because um, I'm just going to say it. I don't care about IO psychology that much. <laughs> you you and my wife would get along. My own wife. Well, maybe not that I don't care. I think it's important. Let me backtrack. But I hear about it a lot, and I'm not super interested. But if you put Marvel in front of me, then I might be a little bit more interested. So I think that's super cool. So thank you for making these books for haters like me. Or, or we make Marvel really boring, just like I <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, that's, that, that could be. So, so, Nick, I'm glad that you also have a wife that finds um, IO psychology maybe not the most interesting. My, my wife is a clinical psychologist, so she she watches all the Marvel movies with me, but she doesn't, like, want to talk about IO psychology with me all the time. Uh, so yeah. My wife doesn't like either side. She doesn't like Marvel movies, and she doesn't like IO, so. Wow. This book wow. is not uh, making her excited, but, you know. <laughs> I feel you there. We, we may or may not have had the discussion, and, and movie lovers, uh, we will be watching Captain America First, I do normally like to say that. Skip ahead. That's the movie that we're reviewing today. My wife discovered while watching it with us this time, it was definitely the first time that she had ever seen it. Huh? Well before we met each other. And while I think she has had to be seeing every Marvel movie since we've been together. It's a requirement, yeah. Um, it would be, this would have been before our time. So very much in that same boat. She would not be she would not be there if I was not dragging her kicking and screaming. So, Gordon, you're in good company as well. <laughs> <laughs> you um, need to read those marriage contracts very carefully. <laughs> I keep adding addendums. Uh, yeah. So, well, that's that's good. That's fantastic. Well, then, uh, it, I was going to ask you all to pitch it to to somebody who doesn't care about IO psych. I feel like you did that a little bit. But is there anything else you would add? Like, let's say I'm like Danielle. Maybe I like movies. Maybe I like Marvel the movies. Maybe, maybe I'm okay with them. But I definitely have no interest in leadership styles or anything along those lines or, or learning about the science of the IO psychology. Mm -hmm. why, why might I want to pick up your book? Well, I think the, the biggest reason is to kind of learn to be a better leader, regardless of whether you're actually interested in the theory or whether you're interested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think everybody wants to be a better leader. And and given the, the current events in 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 the United States right now, we need better leaders. And I think people are looking for those better leaders. And I think our, our book does a great way of like explaining what it means to be a great leader uh, through these very accessible examples in the Marvel Cinematic mm -hmm. Universe. It's easy to kind of imagine, well, what, what makes Iron Man a great leader? Or what is it about you know Spider-Man that makes him an interesting leader? Or what, what makes Charles Xavier a great leader? And to watch the movie, then you can kind of, you know, look at it and say, wait a minute, I hear some things that I can do in my own life. Um, and that way you're not burdened with the with the nerd nerdiness of like, oh, I have to watch 15 movies in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe so that I understand anything that's happening. And you don't have to read through the very exciting uh, IO psychology research that all of us <laughs> love to read. Um, but instead, you can just take the best parts of both and kind of develop yourself as a leader. Yeah, I, I would just add to that as well. Um, you know, I think engaging examples are so important for us to be leaders uh, because I think we get a lot of bad examples 
uh, and things that aren't connected to us. So we talk about leadership as a process, the process of influence of others. And it's not just CEOs or CEOs on Twitter telling us what to do or what to think, right? It is, it is us influencing others, affecting our lives and having impact. Uh, and so the book really takes that perspective that we can all have impact. We can all be leaders and engage in this leadership process, this process of influence. And so I think, and that's what I think is really great about the Marvel movies too, is the Marvel movies aren't, oh, we got the one CEO we all listen to and do what they say, right? It's not like that at all. All these people are heroes in their own right. They're all very talented. They all got very different opinions and way of doing things. And sometimes they bug the hell out of each other. And sometimes they can't work together. Uh, but that's a lot closer to the real world uh, than what we see kind of in these things of just copy the seven things Jack Welch did in 1985, right? <laughs> uh, even if those things work, which is not what I would say probably, they're not going to necessarily apply and you need your workforce to feel that way about you. And you're probably not the CEO of GE in the 80s, unless this is a weird time travel thing that I'm unaware of. Uh and so we're living day-to-day -day influencing people that we are not the big boss that everyone looks up to. If anyone looks up to the big boss anymore anyways, or they ever really did other than breathless articles in Forbes or whatever, you know? And so I think that's part of it is thinking about how emergent leaders and people engaging in leadership. And so it's useful for anybody. You can be a student, you can be a CEO, you can be just a regular person trying to influence, you know, your family to do stuff. Which is and a little really harder often than <laughs> Gordon, because I don't think I've ever thought about that with regards to the MCU movies. Of like, there is no big boss. Early on, I think they kind of were starting to set up Nick Fury to be that, but then even with sort of the second Captain America movie yeah. onward, like that already starts to become something that, that's questioned. Yeah. So I think that's a really good, a really good point, and I totally agree, obviously, uh, with the lesson about influence and leadership in other places you seem like you got tickled by some ideas oh because he said you could use it to influence your friends or your family <laughs> yeah <laughs> useful <laughs> it is yeah you can definitely use it uh, i think the other great thing about the mcu is there's such a wide range of hero types and one of the things we see in research literature quite often is especially when it comes to diversity that if people from diverse backgrounds don't see themselves as leaders, it's hard for them to see that path. We see that with, with women, with minorities, um, LGBTQ, but there's so many heroes to choose from in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that it's kind of cool to be able to say, well, you know, I like Black Panther. I would love to be a leader like him, or I like Black Widow, and I think I could be a leader like her. That really opens the world up and it really opens up that conversation about uh, who can be a leader and, and what a leader actually is. So I think that's you know, a wonderful thing. And sometimes when, I, when I'm teaching, I see that with, with my students, uh, that sometimes they can't envision themselves. I'll, ne I'll never forget, I had one student tell me uh, in an IOSEC intro undergraduate IO psychology class, she told me that men should be leaders. And I, I kind of looked at her. I was like, I never encountered that opinion from, from a young lady before. I was like, well, what, why do you think that? She's like, well, they seem to be in charge and things are going okay. So you know, <laughs> let them be in charge. I'm like, things are going okay. That's, that, I might yeah. disagree with the second part. This is a long time ago. <laughs> this is like seven years ago. So, Well, you know. and also, I do think that there's something to that, and it doesn't surprise me, Sai, of like, 
it's not even whether you think things are going okay or not. It's like, okay, so the world isn't quite literally burning. Maybe mm -hmm. it, it wasn't seven years ago at the very least. Uh, but just the idea of like, well, I've never seen anything else. Mm -hmm. So why would I think that there's anything other than men to be leaders if I've literally never seen anything mm -hmm. else? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, more specifically and more often. Um, yeah, no, but so the idea of different, but not only different faces, but also different styles, I think, are even more represented in the, the MCU. And they're making more, right? They just introduced, well, not, the movies just introduced America Chavez. Uh-huh, uh -huh. That's true, yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And who else? You were excited about another one that's coming on the Disney Plus shows. She-Hulk? She-Hulk. Yes, and you might be. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, but yes. Who? Oh, oh, is she gonna remember? I I have COVID, guys. I thought you you have expressed excitement for Miss Marvel since you've seen her in some other stuff. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And go. if they make a Squirrel Girl movie or TV show, I they're trying so for that. Squirrel Girl is the biggest deficiency in MCU right now, frankly. Agreed. Like yes. I like Namor, and I'm very excited that the Submariner is going to be in something, but he ain't as important as Squirrel Girl and Roll. You know, although That's it sounds like they're doing true. some cool stuff based on what I saw, but mm -hmm. Squirrel Girl would be fantastic to do. They almost made a Squirrel Girl show. Um, there was, there was, they tried to do it, and I was pretty pumped that they were going to bring her in. But she's such a fan favorite character. I'm a little surprised that they haven't tried to bring her in already. And she's so much fun. Yeah. That's the best part. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and we've seen Howard the Duck for three seconds, at least, you know? <laughs> so it's hard to believe Squirrel Girl is not here when Howard the yeah. Duck shows up. Like, okay, so let's get a little bit into you all's relationship with each other. The whole sort of quote-unquote love. We love all forms of love Ooh, here on this podcast, oh, yeah. uh, including, you know, non-romantic love. Uh, you know, I, I think that you all probably, hopefully, have to have at least some level of love for each other Are to you be able to write a whole book. Like oh, absolutely. The, the correct term is bromantic love. There you go. Yes, yeah. romantic love. Bros are problematic, though. So. <laughs> I agree. I think you could. I think. I could be wrong. I think aren't aren't we problematic, Gordon? Aren't we? There's some type of Greek love that fits us perfectly because they have like four thousand different types. And there's some that That's definitely true. do not fit and should not be mentioned, probably. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the word for it. Oh. Well, oh, yeah. since we don't have the Greek nomenclature, let's stick with uh, our, our our term bromance. So tell us the tale of you all's bromance. How, how did you first meet? How did it lead to eventually you writing this book together? And what was that process like for the two of you? So I think you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, because this is like the dating game, by the way, where I'm not going to remember <laughs> anything. And, and Gordon's yeah. going to put up these 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 week. like placards with all different answers. Like, I'm going to learn today that REO Speedwagon is like his favorite band or something. <laughs> um, you know, so I think we well, met because I had applied to a job at <laughs> Purdue Fort Wayne. And, yeah, yeah. you know, I flew out there, we interviewed, and then I didn't take the job. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we <clears throat> we stayed in touch. I, was it through Twitter that we stayed in touch after that? Yeah. So I think we maybe we were like following each other on Twitter, knew each other like slightly. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then, then you came out and that's kind of how I knew you better when you'd come out for that job talk. And then I yeah. think we were just talking on Twitter. I know we at one of the psyops, you know, we met for lunch or something. Yeah. Um, and then really started to talk about like IO outreach and stuff, which is something we've written on quite a bit, mm. is just kind of how do you how do you get the word out there 
And so we did like a commentary at PSYOPs Journal related to that that went pretty well. This idea of IO psychologists as testers and debunkers of management practice, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's kind of that was kind of the first thing we kind of worked on and started talking on mm -hmm. um, and sort of started some research based on that. We did a few projects with other Twitter people too. There's a bunch of funny stories with that, the things we did for the IO psychologist like uh, Bo, Bo Armstrong came up with an idea on the bus and posted about it, uh, about the search rates for IO psychology. And then a bunch of us ended up talking about it through Twitter and wrote a paper on it, you know. So so really, it's it's a very online, you know, sort of relationship building to a significant degree uh, of sort of through Twitter uh, and sort of ultimately... You know, I, Ty and I, we, we just do direct messages all the time on stupid things. I probably bugged yeah. Ty because I just, I, I'll be like, like I was watching episode two and I'm just sending him messages about how stupid various elements of episode two of Star, Star Wars. I was going to say, because yeah. I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready for Obi-Wan, but I really should not have watched the prequel <laughs> trilogy because I hate the prequel trilogy so much. It's just, I, it just seems so bad compared to the original one. So, so Dimitri and I, my son, we watched. The original trilogy empire is fantastic just to let you know empire strikes back not not even from nostalgia basis it's just yeah. amazing uh and then we started the pre return of the jedi has got its issues but it's still kind of fun episode one i don't know dimitri was crying i was crying yeah i have a question you know. isn't he four months old he said uh four months old He's crying regardless, so it's, it's not affected by the movie. He was watching. Them. I love that you said you guys were watching it together. Okay, continue. You think our children aren't going to be exposed to Star Wars before the age of four months? <laughs> this is what you do at 4 a.m. while feeding. Is you watch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wolf him to sleep, you know, in an hour, and sometimes he likes it. We watched Rescue Rangers, which was fantastic recently. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pro tip, you can watch Avatar The Last Airbender, which is what my son was exposed oh, yeah. to. Um, also, um, you know, what we do in the shadows, which may not have been age appropriate. This is this is my uh, wife is going to find out about what, what, he, what he was exposed yeah. to at three months. You know, I'm not worried about it, honestly. <laughs> Maybe I should be more. <laughs> this is a long-term so, uh, study about pop culture exposure to, you know, child to children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I send Sai all these messages about the comics I'm reading and stuff and make fun of it. I, he's got a million screenshots of uh, random comics I read in stupid panels from the first, like, 70 issues, of the 50 of it, issues of the Avengers are horrible, just, like, poorly written. Uh, and so it's just me, like, trash-talking it. And it gets better. But it's it's Stan it's Stanley's like Z grade work. I don't know. The Kirby art's okay for a while. I well, probably didn't say I how bad the Avengers are. Some of that because you sent us a uh, you sent the screenshot earlier today. I'm now I'm now enjoying this as well. I shared it with Danielle. Uh, the 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 image of if you all read comics, movie lovers, if you're listening to this, you may read comics occasionally. They do ads uh, that look yeah. like comics, but it was like from. Golden Age, I think it was probably, or no, it was, early, it was later. No, than no, that. no, yeah, it's actually from the seventies. The seventies okay, are so really big. Yeah, yeah, and it was a Twinkies uh, article, but I showed it to Danny because I was like, "This is that Red Skull character from the movie. This is what he's supposed to look like in the comics, and it it yeah. is bad. It is very bad." Yeah, no, there's these Hostess cake ones and the Twinkie people, where it's basically a superhero can't fight the villain and beat them. 
but then they like bust out their like fruit pies or Twinkie. And then, <laughs> and then the guy who sometimes is just some random dude and sometimes it's the red skull with a cosmic cube that can alter reality yeah. gets so distracted by the Twinkies like he gets defeated. But yeah, they were big in the 70s and early mm. 80s. And so, yeah, I was looking at this, this yeah. comic from the, the 70s again. And it's just, still, it's madness. Still not the wildest thing that's happened in comics. Like no, these, these yeah, these hostess <laughs> ads could actually be added to continuity very easily, and you know you wouldn't you wouldn't see any difference. Wouldn't bad an eye, yeah. Danielle was writing me a little message uh, saying, you know, is this their first book? Correct me if I'm wrong. This is you all's first book together, correct? You've written articles yes. before, but you've, you've, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so it's, our, it's, it's our first book. I did I did a book, uh, an edited volume of Richard Landers on social media and selection before, uh, but it's the first book that I've written, you know, the whole thing uh, with somebody else. Yeah. Our friendship is just so, it's all virtual, man. I don't know. It's crazy yeah. overall. Like yeah. Maybe, I don't even know. Is it even a couple psyops? Like, I, I think, like, I think it was only two. I, at most, two. two. At most. Two at most. Yeah. So, so the interesting thing about this is that, um, you know, you can, you can build relationships on any platform. And that, that I think is one of the big lessons from not just the friendship I have with Gordon, but with, other io twitter people um the io twitter community is is really uh cool and i i remember um i want to say dr lisa kath mentioned this to me once that like twitter is a cesspool but i don't know how you know you're able to make good relationships out of it and i'm like you know a lot of it is the energy you're putting out there you know i don't i don't post a lot of negative stuff i'm mostly just kind of having fun and I think if we're having fun in, in those relationships, you can kind of find people that you vibe with. Like Gordon and I have a lot of like, um, you know, shared interests and we, we both like really corny jokes. We were doing dad jokes before we became parents, <laughs> um, you know, so th there's a lot of commonality. And if you use social media platforms for that, then yeah. I, I think you can get a lot of benefit from it. Uh, and people are building virtual relationships now anyway, especially during the pandemic. Mm. You know, if you didn't have that capability of maintaining relationships with people, you know, virtually, it just made things harder. But, you know, there's more options and, and more ways of, of communicating. Like you can do Twitter DM, you can do Slack. Um, I have a Slack group with my my old grad school friends. Um, I have a lot. I have way too many WhatsApp uh, groups. <laughs> uh, yeah where my parents and and various family members send us like random things uh you know and so you can you can use any of these platforms uh i think the biggest lesson is, is also that like um gordon and i really we care about research too uh we like doing mm. research we have some similar interests and uh we found a way to kind of work together that that you know functions for us um and luckily we're able to use all the stuff we know from io uh, to kind of you know have that functional working relationship, uh, it doesn't really work that well with like romantic relationships. I mean, you don't really <laughs> want to do performance reviews. I mean, wait, yeah, Nick, do you do per, do you give performance reviews to your wife? <laughs> you give okay, okay. I, I should have known. Definitely the boss. It's not a three hundred and sixty situation. <laughs> it is a one way street. One, okay, so yeah. one one way influence. Okay, I appreciate that. You know, you know. I, I would say if we <laughs> want to talk about a metaphor, I kind of feel like this is like uh, that. It's kind of like the Rescue Rangers movie just came out on Disney Plus. 
We watched it. It was yeah, very specific. <laughs> if you got a specific age band, specific interest band, you're just like that movie was great. I it, I think of it related to these things that I liked. And so I think to some degree, like Cy and I, we've got this shared band of interest and some mm -hmm. some of the same humor, and that really helps. But I do think like a lot of the community online with IO and things is kind of there, that weird thing you're interested or you care about that's specific, and it's the band that allows you to happen. You're the one who's interested in seeing, you know, Ugly Sonic <laughs> in the <laughs> Rangers movie. Uh, you're interested in seeing Batman versus E.T., you know, type stuff. It's there's just all. I hope the Rescue Rangers movie does well because all these references will be dated by the time this episode comes out. Probably. Uh, how many how many Disney Plus products will we promote during this one podcast? I'm <laughs> sponsored by Disney Plus. Throwing it out there, Disney Plus. If you listen, I mean, I would happily put a put a commercial in every single one of our episodes for that, and, and even just for a free subscription because we use it more than enough. But going off of you all's connection and your shared experience. Why don't we go ahead and segue into our uh, next segment, Closer to Science. And Danielle, what is Closer to Science? Great. Thank you for asking. This is um, it's a research study that I think you guys like research and studies. So it's by Aaron et al. <laughs> I learned how to say that. That means there's more people. There we go. Um, and it's a research study that's done by just asking strangers these questions. And then scientifically, they get closer together at the end of the study. And this was also seen in a lot of uh, movies and TV, like The Big Bang Theory, how uh, Penny and Sheldon get closer together. So we always ask our guests some, some questions so we can get closer to you. Um, and like Nick said earlier, we're running low on questions. So the more you get down the list, the deeper they are. Yeah. Hello? Um, all right. Well, back to closer through science, though. Oh, yeah. My very serious topic <laughs> I was talking about with Aaron et al. Very good. Very good. Uh, we, we really appreciate that. I tried to pick one that I think that you two will be able to answer and maybe even answer quickly with uh, you know some humor if you want to. So be as deep or as prolonged as you wish, yeah. but we will ask each of you to answer this, and movie lovers, please share your answers to these questions using the hashtag closer through science on social media platforms to let us know that we can all get closer together. But Sai and Gordon, of all of the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing and why? Yikes. <laughs> Wow, the least difficult in now, now, I think now, this is a fun time, and they can't already yeah. be dead, right? So, <laughs> correct. Yeah, correct. So, <laughs> good question. Am I the one who killed them? <laughs> that, that depends on how you interpret the question. That is part of getting to know each other. Is how you choose uh, to intake, digest, and then regurgitate the answer to this question. Uh, most disturbing. You know, I I gotta say, once you become a dad. I think I think that spot gets taken up pretty quickly by your kid. Uh, you know, actually, I, I will say this. So, um, you know, just because I think this is this is interesting, I've been and I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Uh, you know, so, you know, in terms of like death uh, and and being disturbed by death. Uh, definitely, you know, if I, if it was a family member, definitely my son. But there is something in you know, uh, as as kind of a, as a religious Muslim. Uh, one thing that you you kind of come to terms with, and this is also maybe a Zen Buddhist idea as well, is like you don't really own anything. 
and you don't really, you know, nothing, nothing truly belongs to you. So like, you think that my kid is my kid. I'm going to be able to keep him safe all the time. And they're never going to interrupt me during podcast appearances. <laughs> you, you think all of these things, but, but really, you know, <clears throat> you only have, um, you only have your children. You only have your family members for a certain amount of time. Like you don't, you don't even, even control when you get to check out. So it, what that does is uh, it, it imbues like everything when you, when you think about that often enough that like, Oh, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm not sure, you know, when, when I'm going to lose these people, it, it makes your, your relationships a lot deeper. Uh, and I, I do reflect on that a lot. And so um, I try, you know, that actually helps me to kind of like, you know, uh, be a better husband and, and, and be a, you know, don't, don't ask my wife, about my husband quality at this point uh, and, and to be a better, you know, better dad, maybe, you know, uh, at least be a mediocre son, you know? Uh, so those things, you know, I think that actually helps. And that's something that like thinking about that question, you know, and, and, and the impact that the loss of somebody has is, is I think really important. So definitely that, that would be the person that would devastate me the most, but I also have to kind of come to terms with that fact that, you know, I thought about this the other day, I dropped off my son at daycare uh, the other day. And I was like, you know, this, and this is right after what happened in Texas and I was thinking to myself, like, wow, something like that could happen. Uh, I'm going to, you know, you know, trust that everything's going to be okay. But, you know, understand that things may not be okay at the end of the day. So, Dang. God, depressing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but That was a good answer, though. Yeah. It had a little bit of hope in it. Just a smidge, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Gordon, did you well, want to answer? Yeah, I'll answer. Um, Cy, Cy apparently copied my notes, which is not great. Because <laughs> I was going to mention his son, and now that's just... <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 would, I, would, I would say my son, Dimitri. Um, you know, there's a book... Michael Lewis uh, did a book called Home Game about him becoming a father. Uh, and one of the things he talks about in that is this idea of, you know, when he used to get on a plane... He'd be like, well, if the plane goes down and I die, my wife will just marry somebody hotter than me. Everything will be fine. <laughs> um, but once he had a son, he's like, how is my son going to be able to live and succeed, you know, if, if I die? And I really feel that yeah. way, you know, especially with Dimitri being four months old. It's just like, uh, you know, uh, him dying would be very devastating in a lot of ways because there's just... One, there's no way not to feel culpable in some way. Like, I don't, you know, people have their life and do things, but but especially an infant is so dependent on you. You know, it feels like we don't have control. You know, we only have some levels of control, but it feels like, you know, that's how our minds are set up, right? It's our, we have control, we have our destiny. You know, yeah. if yeah. if somebody in your family is like, oh, I'm not going to get necessary treatment and they're an adult, you say, well, I might disagree and I might be sad, but it's your call. But with a kid, you know, with a kid, it's, it's kind of is your call, right? Like, uh, the, especially at a young age, it's, it's your call one way or the other when we don't have, we don't have certainty, right? Um, and I know I've talked to some dads on this, the idea of, you know, checking to make sure your kid's still breathing when they're sleeping and stop. And this happens to me overnight all the time is he'll be fussing. And I'll be like, oh, I don't want to get up and do something. And then he'll stop. <laughs> then I'll be like, I should probably go check. <laughs> yeah. 
and it, it's it's just a weird thing where you're like, well, even if there's a very small chance, should you check? Because if you didn't check, you'd you'd you know you'd feel so bad, you'd feel so sad, you'd feel so culpable, which is which is difficult. You know, I think that's something I've been thinking about belief in a just world recently, where I sure. think you can lead to a lot of bad things where you justify, you know, the these people deserved what happened, and we hear that in various ways, not directly stated, but kind of in a lot of these things, if somebody else screwed up, it's yeah. their fault, right? Um, but I think that the nice thing about belief in a just world is you feel like, well, my kid's not going to die of SIDS or my kid's not going to get shot because the world is just, and I'm a good person. Well, I, you know, we can all be as good of people as we want. And that doesn't mean tragedy is not going to uh, hit us, right? Uh, and I think that that's sort of a, that's a difficult thing. And I think with an, with an infant and a child, it's even more the case, you know, he's not making the choice to do something stupid. It's just, <laughs> you know, where they're at in development, we're, right. we're the people who are keeping him going, um, in, in that type of way. So that, yeah. that, that would be my answer. So I feel like it's basically the same as size. So feel free to edit it out and just. Uh, dub his over mine. That, that <laughs> this is this is why we're friends, by the way. I think I think this is part of the reason that, that we're friends because we have like similar answers to these deep deep questions. Yeah, I told yeah, I, I, he can always use my anecdotes on any podcast he's on. So. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah, put so. them off as his own. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's my life. <laughs> um. No, well, thank you both very much. I, like I said, I was I was trying to give a, a small opportunity, but I'm, I really appreciate. It. I think the deeper stuff, and and I probably foolishly saw that as maybe an easy joke uh, because I was I don't have kids, and I wasn't thinking about that. But I know that there are some parents who listen to this show and will probably you know appreciate that even on a, a level that I cannot, uh, at least as of yet. But yeah, thank you both very much for that deep uh, conversation. I want to give us at least one more plug of your book before we move on to the second half of our podcast. So one more time, why don't one of you give us the name and the other tell us when it releases and where they can find it. All right, I'm good with the name. So our book is called Leaders Assemble, Leadership in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And when does it come out, Gordon? Uh, I knew the title, uh, but I think June, <laughs> June 7th, uh, 2022. So just coming up very soon. Uh, and it is available wherever... Uh, books are sold online, so it's available on Amazon. It's uh, on Emerald's site. We found it on Walmart.com. I didn't really know they did stuff like that. Um, but also, most booksellers, it's it's out there to pre-order, uh, right. both in kin you know, there's Kindle version, electronic, and uh, physical book. Uh, and I have already ordered my Kindles, and I'm expecting to be able to use this broadcast voice when you guys do the uh, the audible version. So you've got. I'd love audible. I'd love for us to do an audible version. We'll definitely keep you keep your name name around for that time. Write it down somewhere. Um, all <laughs> right. Well, with that, then we're going to go to a quick break, movie lovers. And when we come back, we are going to be discussing what movie? Captain America. America? Specifically the first one, first event. I, right. I was wrong, I guess. Watch the World police. <laughs> In love with movies. Da -da -da. And we're back. Yeah, back. My inhale is so loud. That was a very the microphone. Loud. Oh. It's, oh my goodness. Uh, and we're back. Can never get the levels right. Can never get the levels right. <laughs> All right, Nick. What are we here to talk about today, Danny? We're going to talk about Captain America. 
the first Avenger. Sorry, the yes, first yes. one. Yes, Captain America, <laughs> the first Avenger. So this movie, movie lovers, that's the movie we're going to be talking about today. We're going to hear the story of why Cy and Gordon picked it for us in a minute. But just before we get going with things that you all are on the same page, if you haven't watched this movie before, it is available on Disney Plus as well as many other streaming services at this time. So if you have that Disney Plus sub, you can go ahead and grab it there. It is, of course, starring Chris Evans, came out in 2011. Also have the, the gorgeous and talented Haley Atwell playing uh, Peggy Carter. Some people may or may not know uh, Hugo Weaving from The Matrix. He's playing uh, our friend, the Red Skull. This is written by uh, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely. The only thing I knew them from was other MCU movies. So if you all know them from anything, you might know them from that. Director Joe Johnston, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and I think I knew this at some point in the past, but when I was preparing for this, I saw he also directed October Sky and the movie The Rocketeer. If movie lovers are of my age, and I'm seeing Gordon, Cy, yes. Yep. You guys know this movie. You knew about his wife, would not know this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, if, if you know that about it, uh, this director, you're like, oh, it makes sense why they were picked for Captain America, because yeah. the, the uh, Rocketeer has a very sort of similar aesthetic. Um, I thought we should give a shout out to Toby Jones, who does a great job as uh, Zola, Dr. Zola, as well as Tommy Lee Jones and the, the wonderful, the beautiful, the amazing Stanley does a phenomenal job as well. So that's just some, some generic opening credits, uh, as well as uh, Alan Silvestri does the score, which is a beautiful, beautiful score. Can I, I do want to say, I, I do want to mention that Chris Evans, uh, this is his second Marvel character. So he yep. played the Human Torch uh, in oh. the early Fantastic Four movies, and he he and Michael Chiklis are basically the best parts of those movies. I would agree. Uh, with that. You know, so definitely like uh, he's got his his MCU pedigree, and you know all your all your favorite you know all your favorite character actors are in there: Stanley Tucci, Hugo Weaving. You can stand whoever you like. Can yeah, I... this is also based on a book, oh, a comic God. book. Called <laughs> You're right. I should have given appropriate you credit. You all know. And I thought it was a real book. It, is it Stanley and, or is it just Stanley in terms of creating Captain America? You all might know. Stanley didn't Stanley. create Captain America. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's uh, Joe Joe Jack Simon. And Joe Simon. And yeah. Joe. Yep. Thank you very much, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. See, I knew I was going to miss something. Is that why Stan Lee is not in this movie? He is. Oh, that see. might be part of it. You know. It's a good. It's, Stan Stan takes credit for everything. To be fair, he did a lot of things, but he takes credit for everything. His story yes. part. So and for a lot of it, nobody's been there to argue with him. R.I.P. You guys. It was a long time. <laughs> Can I? I what, have what to say. I have to. Okay, Hugo Weaving. I didn't know that was this guy's name, uh -huh. and I can't stop chuckling at how good of like a drag name that would be, or like. Can I can I ask why would that be such a I don't know anything about drag, so I'm I'm interested in, in learning why that would be such I a great this. drag name. Yes, uh drag names are a lot of times puns on stupid things. So like uh for example, now I'm not gonna think of any drag queen names that are puns. Bag of chips. Bag of ah, chips. Okay. All right. Courtney, well, yeah. Courtney Act is uh an Australian drag queen. Caught in the act. Caught in the act. I just think, like, Hugo, girl. That would be hilarious. Hugo, girl. Yeah. Hugo weaving. Hugo dancing. You, know, you, know, weaving. Yeah. you gotta weave. You gotta weave. <laughs> weaving, maybe. I don't know. 
Okay, sorry. Sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, see, this is a perfect example why I thought it was a thing that people were about me if I could maybe do for the, the opening credits, though, because I totally missed uh, some important uh, details and gave credit where credit was not due. Cite yeah. your sources, everyone. Stanley already did it, so don't worry about it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it, it's Kirby and Simon 1920, 1935 or something. That's the EPA-style citation for the creation <laughs> of Captain America. Was it really written in the 30s? Well, he punches oh, yeah. Hitler during World War II very often. So I think 35 is too early. But 35 is too early. It's probably 38, right? 39, maybe? I don't have Google, so. No, I, I only use Bing, and they'll never find it. This is going to have to get edited out. <laughs> like, how do you not know when Captain America was first published? I am going to try to look it up while we have Danielle giving her favorite segment of our movie love. It's not my favorite segment. Ouch. So now that you all know the opening credits, we're going to hear a brief summary of what this movie is about through the eyes of Danny. Everyone's favorite segment. It's time for Danny's Dingle. Time for Danny's Dingle. All right. A UFO. 1942? What is this body? Father Stark. Oh, that's Peggy Carter. Uh, <laughs> Cap has heart. Stanley, wait. Stanley Tucci. I was trying to do his accent right there. Uh, Hail Hydra. Uh, red face. <laughs> the red was ripped it up. The red face. Uh... <laughs> Stark and Shield. Whoa, Peggy is great. Peggy's the best. Honestly, I forgot about all the things in the movie. Hitler, but not Hitler. But hit, but the war, the war, <laughs> and uh, frozen. Frozen. That was let very it bad. Go. Let it go. This is this has been a little bit longer because we had some yes. delays yes. due to COVID. Uh, normally, there's a shorter time period between when Danny has to watch the movie and when she has to come. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I did y'all wrong. That was a bad dingle. All right. Best dingle ever. Everyone loves it. All right. Well, just to close out our citation, uh, Kirby, Simon and Kirby, 1941. So it was oh, back in the which is in the movie, it's 1942. So there, I should have known. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, then, we're going to move on to finding out from Gordon and Cy what their love story with this movie is. So what's you all's history with it? Why did you pick it? Uh, what is your, your tale? So I, I think I'm the one that pushed for this movie. Is that is that correct? Am I remembering this correctly? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So number one, I love, I love Captain America. Um, my brother gave me a bunch of his comic books. And that's how I got into comics. And he had a ton of Captain America and the Falcon. Uh, so, you know, I grew up reading a lot of those. Uh, but I also uh, kind of pushed for this one because this movie has maybe the MCU's best love story. And since this podcast is all about love, I was like, oh, we got we to gotta talk about Peggy and, and Steve because they're a love story that carries over into all the Avengers way all the way, all the way through the end of like phase, you know, three. So, but also Steve and Bucky, also Steve and Bucky, yes, as well. yes. We don't also know which type? Some Greek type, probably. Some Greek. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a bromance, you know. So maybe more, May, maybe, maybe. Yeah, there's always there's always potential for more. Uh, but I definitely thought that this was this was a really good, you know, uh, good example of the MCU. I like the kind of classical. Uh, 
approach to the movie because Joe Johnston is directing and there's a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in, in this movie. Uh, you know, so I think that was why, why I pushed for Gordon. Why did you accept this? <laughs> and why did you hesitate? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's an interesting movie to talk about here. I do agree with a lot of those elements that Sai said. It's also one of the early movies in this whole thing. And I feel like those movies are really interesting now because they they hit a lot different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things I felt with this movie is like, it's very hard to judge is like, is Chris Evans a good Captain America? Because he has been a good Captain America across 4,000 movies since this movie. <laughs> And so it's really interesting to see this. And this is when we see like the World War II era, uh, which sometimes does get neglected in modern Marvel because it's very inconvenient that all these things happen in the 40s. When this happened in the comics, right? He disappears in like, in theory, in mid, in like the late 40s, in the mid 40s. And then he's back like 16 years later in the 60s. So like, he's like, everyone I know is, Kind of older by 20 years. <laughs> uh, not that he doesn't wince a lot in the comics on it. So it's really interesting to think about it now where it's a long time, right? It's like 70 years later or something, as I think Nick Fury says. And so it was really interesting for them to, to kind of look at this period. Uh, because in the comics, it keeps getting kicked forward. Cy and I have talked about that where Nick Fury is going to... Because Nick Fury in the comics was around in World War II. He was, he was fighting in World War II and then got a formula of extended life. So while Cap was frozen for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years or whatever it is based on continuity, Nick Fury was doing his job, I guess, for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And Namor the Submariner was, I guess, angry or lost his memory for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I don't know. So Cap, Cap gets to just sleep the whole time. It's like when everyone else is taking care of something, you wake up and you're like, oh, the baby made a big mess. You were asleep the whole time. And then don't worry about it. You just slept, man. It, it went great. So uh, it's interesting, yeah, because we haven't really looked at that era in the movies again, too, this World War II compared to modern MCU. Made it better because, I don't know, I like the historical aspects of it. And I said to you, I was like, there wasn't all the CG fighting, boom, kicking, kicking, explode, explode. There was yeah. obviously some, but... I think it made it more enjoyable. I really like this movie. And this is the first time I watched it, apparently. And I had, I truly thought I saw it. Uh, what did you what did you think about the like what parts of the movie do you really like? Uh I love that Captain America has heart. I think he like this is the development of his personality where some of the and maybe I missed a lot of movies earlier on, but a lot of them I'm like, where where'd that come from? Or they're just very like one note where cap truly was like yo i'm a real good guy i'm gonna jump on a grenade and also i love this woman and i want to come back for her and then he does and you know what seeing this movie makes that scene it's so much harder so you mean the end game scene yeah yeah Yeah. like we got to it and i realized like oh i remember when we watched end game together and i'm like crying i'm like oh my god i finally got to be back with her who happened what do you care what's going And then we got to the end of, of First Avenger, just like, oh, they've yeah. got like history. Yeah. L- yeah. Literal and figurative history. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. Can I also um, say, setting it in a time that like is real to me rather than current day makes it. Okay. 
makes it seem realer. <laughs> and that sounds very stupid because maybe Hydra was in the war. Maybe they weren't. You don't know. <laughs> but it just... Danny, do you think modern times, do you think we're living in a simulation right now? <laughs> the Matrix, man, since 1998. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up, people. <laughs> Never mind. No, because in the new movies, they're like, well, especially Doctor Strange. What was that? That wasn't real times. And so I felt so out of my element in that movie because I was like, I don't know what's going on. But at this this part, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, see, I see where you're coming from because there's a sense of time where, like, even the Marvel comics, I think, are like that. Is it's always like it's the modern day, or you know, and so the modern day is this amorphous, weird thing um, that you know, uh, to some degree, futuristic stuff like Star Trek has more of a sense of time because it's like you know, the original series is like we got dials from the 60s. Obviously, this is 1960 <laughs> pretending to be the future, right? While the amorphous present day, uh, you know, doesn't, it doesn't feel as real. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on on some level, at least on that. Well, thank you. <laughs> I identify a lot with, like, because I've always been about the, the Supermans and the, the Captain Americas and the idea of, you know, you mentioned part of Danny or just the idea of, like, it's not him being big and strong that makes him win. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and I have always, and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way too. But you know, like want to be able to give more, wish that I had more strength to do things that I can't do. And there's things in the world that I want to to uh, help out with. That it's like, oh, if only I could be injected and just you know be the physical specimen that he becomes, kind of thing. Um, and and so that to me is is a big piece of it too that I definitely know that I identify with. And then also the sort of goodness and the always caring for uh you know what is sort of morally right um and then as you get into the later movies because i was watching winter soldier recently um you know like he doesn't even he also you know question sort of his his own beliefs in terms of what is morally right um and then the other piece to that is that like he didn't want to necessarily leave he was happy to serve and if that just meant that he was on a stage doing bail or getting war bombs and has like no experience whatsoever acting. And I love that, like in the montage, they kind of show him awkwardly having to read the script off of his shield, feeling really uncomfortable. And over time he gets used to it, but he like gets put into this position that he never really wanted to do. Hmm. Um, and that's something I feel like personally I've been dealing with lately, especially trying to not step into leadership roles just because I've been asked. But it's because, like, I, I'm not Captain America. I don't have the undying strength and everything to do that. So I don't know. I'm curious what you all think about all of that that I just uh, I wonder on. if that's <laughs> So actually, what you just described is kind of what ma what makes Captain America a great servant leader. Uh, Danny mentioned this earlier that he's the one that jumps on the grenade. And that's always what is great about Captain America. And, and part of the reason I'm really happy that we got to write about Captain America as a servant leader, uh, I think there's a lot of writing about servant leadership that doesn't really serve the theory very well. But I think Captain America is a great example for people to kind of say like, yeah, this is the person that I can totally see um, following because he's, he, he, you know, maybe he's not right all the time, but he's at least trying to do the morally correct thing. And at the very least, you know that he's got your back. Uh, and I think that's very resonant 
for us now. Um, and and the you know you'll notice that the corny the cornier characters that we think of as superheroes. So you mentioned Superman, uh, Captain America, some of those classic characters. They're built on that corny idea that there's a guy who has some power, but it's not his power that makes them a good leader. It's that they have the power and they're using it in the right way. And I always think about the scene where uh, Steve Rogers is sitting with Stanley Tucci's Dr. Erskine, and Dr. Erskine tells him, like, no, I need you to I need you to stay the same. I need you to remember what it's like to be this little guy who gets this power. And that's always been, you know, I'm not I, you can't tell on the podcast. I've never been the biggest guy. Uh, I'm 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 way short. Look jacked, uh, I, don't know what you're talking about. I look I look huge, I look jacked, but there's something resonant, especially among comic book nerds, about seeing somebody who is sure. that 98-pound weakling. They get the power, and then they're still doing the right thing. There's something very resonant about mm-hmm. that, and uh, I think Gordon and I talked a little bit about that when we were writing the chapter about how many people like want leadership roles. They get them, and then they're not they're not great. They're mm-hmm. you know, and you'll notice that there's like a parallel path between Peggy and Steve in this movie, where they both have to like earn roles, even though they're they're great at them, they have to always prove themselves. And I also think that's mm-hmm. a very resonant factor, um, you know, with regards to servant leadership is that they're putting themselves uh, second, and they're putting the mission and other people first. And that's what's driving their their success as leaders. Very well said. Yeah. And Gordon, do you want to add on to that? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think that that's something that is really appealing about how Chris Evans plays it and how the movie plays it as well is just that you really feel like he is, he is, he's a, he's a good person that wants to have a positive impact. You know, he talks about uh, standing up to the bully and that type of thing. Um, I think that's well set up in World War II, which is one of the, to some degree, few wars and things where you really can just be like, there's good guys, there's bad guys, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, where or there's a lot more tinging or disagreement on a lot of other areas of what was, you know, right or wrong. People, well, it used to be everybody thought Hitler was bad. I <laughs> wish more people still felt that way. Uh, <laughs> I still think most people think Hitler's bad. Uh, I would even thought to say that, you know, a few years ago, but you know where we are. Um, but it's it's much more clear cut of that. There, it, it makes sense for what you know. He wants to help. There's the bad guy. I, I'm going to help out, and I, I think that that's something that works really well here. Um, I think with the movie too, setting it in World War II, where we can just see him kind of getting this power and then using it for good and being focused on the moment, I think is really helpful. Um, as I think I'd mentioned earlier, I'm re-read, I was rereading the Avengers, uh, the first hundred issues recently, and I'm reading more, is that when Cap comes back from being frozen, he's very, he's very whiny. You know, <laughs> oh, everyone I know is 15 years older. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, Bucky is dead, and, you know, I'm a man out of there. The Avengers treat him as if he's really old when, in fact, time stopped for him. You know, he's not a 20-year veteran of war. He's a five-year and then sleep for 20-year veteran, you know. So he gets service time, maybe time and a half for being (laughs) for 20 years. But he didn't do it, right? He didn't develop new skills 
in the ice that I know of. I don't know. Maybe this is a new program to use. 20 years in a block of ice, 10 years of new skills. That sounds, well, sounds annoying really, but could be useful. Um, and so it's nice to have him just be focused on sort of developing, becoming this hero uh, and sort of being ready, getting him to a point for the future movies. And I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't do nearly as much of him being like, I'm out of time and everyone I know is dead. Um, you know, there's some of it, but it's not this all-encompassing characterization. Uh, and that's kind of the characterization, I think, of the comics that I think Cap gets to that's really good is this idea of him being something like that servant leader, of him having these skills and knowledge and ability to inspire. And that's why he's a leader of the Avengers in these things. Uh, rather than he's just kind of a mopey dude who everyone he knows is is old now. Um, to yeah, me, that's not nearly as interesting as kind of him as a good person struggling with things and inspiring people and really, you know, trying to have a positive impact, which I think is, you know, more important and valuable. Most of us will not be frozen in a block of ice <laughs> for 70 years, maybe 20. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us do struggle with that. How do we have make an impact? Can I say, uh, Gordon, you kind of touched on this of like the reason that Captain America is a good uh, leader is because he's standing up to the bullies. And I didn't realize that his catchphrase started when we, he was a wee little boy. And when he's first getting the crap beat out of him, he just says, I could do this all day. And that is something that Stanley Tucci was like, stay the same person. And truly, throughout the entire MCU, he has kept that catch up. He's like, this is me. This is me standing up to the bullies. I can do this all day. And I'm glad you guys made me watch this because a lot more things make sense now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, I get why people care about this character in Endgame. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why does it like Cap? But can I say one thing I hated about this movie since we're talking about hate, you know, mm. that this portion? Okay. freaking little body oh. the way that they made that was weird i feel like I, there's a better way i have I a know. note that said it held up i thought i don't know this, the, the shrimpification i was watching again, i thought they did a great job there's yeah. only one or two scenes where it looks like it's a, a floating head otherwise i thought it was brilliantly done. yeah he, he was a hobbit who made good that's what i <laughs> <laughs> i i do think that i think that that special effect holds up i think it helps that some of those special effects are happening in the 40s because our expectation of what those look like is a little bit different. So I think that definitely holds up. Right, because this movie was made in the 40s. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't know if I agree. I'm trying to think through this whole, if it looks like it's from the 40s, the special effects should look like different. <laughs> Maybe. I, I've never thought about it. Sai, you got me stumped. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, Danny, any other thoughts that you had that you wanted to mention? Okay, I'm going to keep uh, sexualizing Captain America real quick. So when he realizes <laughs> that he has muscles, like, he gets muscles, but he doesn't stop because he's like, oh, there's trouble afoot. And then he starts running, and then he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> that moment where he realizes that he, he can do so much more physically, I just love. That was very, like, genuine. And he doesn't even stop to be like, damn, I'm hot. He's like, no, there is a child in danger, and I must go. I love that part. Well, and I think Chris Evans plays that really well. Again. That sort of that shock and surprise of, oh my gosh, this is what I'm capable of. But then also just like, well, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it right now, moments after it's happened to me. And when Peggy Carter, you told me this, it was not scripted, 
or he comes out of the little case thing and uh-huh. she's like and like tries to touch him that was not a scripted moment she just was like i really want to touch chris yeah. evans and i was like i understand that she that represents her- all women at that point, I think, <laughs> that wish to, you know, so touch hungry. him. Yeah. No, yeah. Not just women. I am a straight man. And even I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think if I was in that scenario, I would not be able to resist. I mean, are, the, are the early Marvel movie. movies more horny? Because that's what I think about from Thor is just people are like, damn. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there. The female character is just like, that guy. So it's yeah. interesting. We got sort of two straight-ish movies that are just like, the nail lead, look at that dude. <laughs> yeah. That's- because she's thinking too much on Chris Evans' Ooh, ass, baby. glistening in the oil that they put him in for sweat. Out of I could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I should have told you that you're supposed to cover your wife's eyes during some of these scenes. But, you know, because I, I've already convinced my wife that it's not physically possible for a regular guy to achieve that body. Uh, so, you know. He said the first Chris Evans with a CGI being smaller is a real person. <laughs> Everything else has been cg since. <laughs> no, I've, I've missed that boat. Movie lovers, uh, fans of this podcast have probably heard me tell this anecdote too many times, but the 4K television, the way I got Danny on board to understand why I was excited about the detail was Thor Ragnarok. And I had watched many movies and she's like, whatever, whatever. And then we watched Thor Ragnarok on Ultimate, Ultimate HD. And she went, oh, his I arm. It. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. I did think there was some fun stuff in here, though. I like some of the writing. I do. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but the character development, I think I forget how much and how good. And this is where I think the MCU succeeded. The character development that's done in a lot of these early uh, pieces. Like, there's a lot more to it. And as you've said, Danny, like, they kind of do that in the one movie. And then they assume that you have seen it, and most yeah. of what happens to him in future movies doesn't matter as much to you unless you you have have already seen his piece. Yeah, yeah. Or read all the comic books. And Gordon keeps <laughs> talking about how there's a you said fifty bad ones. I'm good for you for sticking with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they go by pretty quick. It's not like reading a novel. So luckily, you know, bad issues go like that. That time reading, and I just send Sai all the stupid panels. <laughs> it's actually more entertaining than you would think. Like some of the stuff from the '60s is like, wow. Um, other characters. I mean, you guys mentioned Bucky. I didn't know the importance of Bucky. And to be fair, Bucky doesn't do a heck of a lot in this movie. He like tries yeah. to be. Oh, you're all giving me a dirty look. Okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I, was <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you entirely. Okay, like, all right. Yeah, I remember watching The Winter Soldier, and it had been years since I saw the first Avenger. The first time I watched Winter Soldier, and I literally was like, "Wait, what guy? Oh, that was the. I guess that was the. Like to me, I didn't feel that connection. And even rewatching it this time, like, to, to me, Bucky is an Easter egg in this. You're like, oh yeah, Bucky. <laughs> He's famous in the comics, and he yes. came back. <laughs> right, he, like he has no value in this movie. Sorry, Bucky, from this movie, but I, I don't care yeah. about his character. Really, he's very average. He's good looking, but then he gets real upset because he's like, "Well, I'm not the hottest one in the room anymore." And then, <laughs> then he jumps off a train. <laughs> jumps off a train. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, not, not not being the hottest one in the room is a common problem that I've experienced. <laughs> so. I understand wanting to jump off a train when that no! happens. Very you know, relatable. Very relatable. You know, yeah. like, where's the exit? Sure, the train is moving, but I'm getting off now. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually wanted, so one of the biggest changes that they made is in the comics, 
Bucky is a teenager, and he's like oh. one of the teen sidekicks um, of the time period. So one of the best things that they did was they aged Bucky up and made him a uh, you know a soldier before you know Steve becomes a soldier. So I think that's really good. But they they plant the seeds of that bromance over time, and and, and it starts in this movie. So they they have good chemistry together, I think. Yeah, I mean, you do see that he wants to help Bucky. He's, I mean, Bucky wants to help Steve. He's the only one that's like still nice to him, even yeah. though he's a little, little guy who can't get into the army, and he's tried so many times. And that again shows heart because he's like, I'm just gonna keep changing my address, even though it's illegal, because I want to help. He's got that great. Um, yeah, he was fine. Bucky was fine. Let's see, what other notes do I have? Um... And you, I don't remember who said it, but you said this was the best love story in the MCU. I concur because the ending is it's truly heartbreaking because you're like you feel their love and their chemistry so much their kiss when they're in the moving vehicle and then Tommy Lee Jones is like you're not getting a kiss from me that was a great line <laughs> yeah <laughs> or I'm not kissing you or whatever he said <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. um but yeah then you just they love each other so much and he promises to come back and then he he sacrifices himself, allegedly. Like a good servant leader. <laughs> yeah, if we want to get to the hate part of the movie. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the villain aspects overall in this movie. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention him. It just, like, Red Bull <laughs> is a very good character in a theoretical sense, but not in this movie very well. His leadership style is really the twirling mustache. I kill my own people more than... And it's uh, and he's not even killing people when it's like they made a mistake. He's like, ah, let's blow up the base right now. Or I'm not gonna shoot this guy. I was talking to Sai about this. They've got this movie where the Nazis come and they're like, hey, why do you have this map where you're gonna bomb Berlin? And he's like, ha ha, we are gonna bomb Berlin. And then he kills like his Nazi handlers, and then some large number of months pass and nobody cares or calls them out. Like, there's no reason for that scene. It doesn't help anything. Yeah. But it's just way over the top. I, I don't know. There's a weird distancing of trying to distance the Marvel Nazis from the Nazis because the Nazis are bad while Red Skull, I guess, is a cool dude who just wants to kill everyone and take over the world. Like, it's just weird to be like, I don't worry. He, he doesn't really like Nazis. He does care about racial purity and just the Red Skull, but he ain't a Nazi. Don't worry about it. Which I don't know. I, I'm not sure why that's their belief structure. It's that's right. basically what you're getting. <laughs> I, I always thought that they were trying to show that he was worse than the Nazis because he yeah. just indiscriminately killed them. That was always my take, and I that made me uncomfortable. I was like, you my know, feeling always if if you kill Nazis, you're the good guy. So Red Skull has to be a good guy. I, it's a weird thing to feel, but yeah, his face reveal was wild to me because he gets hit in the face and then just. A little bit of his red eye. I thought that was cool. And I was like, that's gross. And then he peels his whole dang face off. And I said, oh, that guy was in that other movie. That <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> he was on the cliff. <laughs> he killed Black Widow. Um, and also that was, did, did anyone else get Star Wars vibes? Very much like they're on a bridge, an electric little bridge, a metal bridge. And there's like red stuff underneath. And then he's like, yeah, I am your father. I remember you saying something <laughs> like that to so me. It felt so Star Wars to me. Oh, oh uh, going back to the end, it's truly heartbreaking. But it was very reminiscent of Wonder Woman. 
Oh yeah. Like the yeah. same ending. Yeah. I was sobbing in that movie at the end too. Hmm. But I think I remember telling you that and you were like, what? No, I don't remember seeing that in the Captain America movie. <laughs> no, I know why you didn't remember it. Um, yeah, I know it's very similar to Wonder Woman. It's very similar to Wonder Woman. And I thought Wonder Woman, I know this isn't MCU, but was the best DC movie. I actually think Wonder Woman did that part better, too. Fair. That is that is a spicy hot take. I think I, I don't I, I don't I don't think I don't think Wonder Woman did it better. I think Wonder Woman had had uh, has some really good qualities to it. I think they do some of the fish out of water stuff, comedy stuff, a little bit better. Uh, but I think I think Captain America owns that that moment, um, you know, that ending moment because they set it up really 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 well. Like especially because uh, Steve Rogers is so. Uh, such a nerd like you know he, he doesn't even know how to talk to a woman right and you're and he finally has a shot and you're just like he's not gonna get it he's not gonna get he's not gonna make it uh you know and then the reveal at the end is like well you know even even in the tag when he's revived the first thing he thinks about is is being being with this girl he's like i i had a date and now he doesn't so it's very you know that that part of it i think works a little bit better uh than in wonder woman well, because Captain America survives, though. That's Chris true. Pine. Uh, well, we've seen Wonder Woman eighty four, so that's not that movie's not. We don't talk about we don't talk about Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four here. <laughs> we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we don't. I totally agree. In my head, canon it doesn't exist. Um, it but... sucks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Gordon Sai, is there anything else you like sort of were just dying or, or really think about every time you rewatch this movie or something that struck out to you that this rewatch uh, about the movie, something you wanted to bring up that we haven't brought up yet? Um, you know, I th I think there's there are a couple of things that I that I really uh thought about a lot while I was watching it this time or things that, that stick out. Number one, for for a soldier, uh and a character that's often characterized as a soldier. Captain America is not very good at following orders. Uh, so I, I think they capture that part of it very, very well, where, you know, he, he follows some orders, you know, when he's not really sure what he's supposed to do. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll do this, you know, uh, Hollywood musical thing for a little <laughs> bit, but they do a great job of capturing the essence of Captain America, which is, you know, he represents more than the actual country. Right, he really represents that American ideal, the the kind of thing that we we wish we were. Sure. Uh, he really represents that, and that Chris Evans really leans into that and captures that very very well um, in this in this movie. Uh, so that's always you know stuck out to me because you know trying to like lay easy patriotism on Captain America, both in the movie and in the comics, is hard because he's always striving for that that higher ideal. Uh, so I think that's a really a big part of what makes him also a great servant leader and great leader. The reason that people follow him is that he's not just saying like, okay, this is what what we you know we're doing whatever America says we're going to do. He's like, no, we're going to do what's right, and that really represents what I think most Americans wish we were more than anything sure. else. Um, um, you know, go ahead, Gordon. Yeah, for me, just watching the movie, just thinking of the lens of IO psychology and leadership was even more salient this time than the first time I saw it. Uh, but one thing I really thought about was training in this movie because he goes from he gets he gets jacked. He's got the muscles. Right. Uh, and then he go, does the USO shows that are physical, but they're not related to tactics or fighting. 
And then Bucky gets captured behind enemy lines, and he's like, hey, I've had no training in fighting, no training in tactics. I'm going behind enemy lines and breaking everybody out. I don't know if I'm immune to bullets or anything. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Uh, and to me, that just felt, this time, I re it really felt like, eh, this is doesn't make any sense. Like, because like in the comics, it's like, oh, he's he's fighting. But he doesn't really have experience, and then he does this big thing. Um, which to, to me, uh, it would have been good to be like, oh, well, he is trading or he's doing this. And we do act a lot like Cap is like a great military mind. Sure. But he doesn't, especially in this movie, he doesn't do a lot of military stuff. There's some montage after he does this big breakout, yeah. which again, he's not prepared for. So maybe he gets training, but it's just kind of interesting thinking about the importance of training and experience where, uh, even if you've got the power of Captain America to be like, I'm going to, he's got to infiltrate a base, get in there, break in, get the stuff, get people out. It's a lot to, it's a pretty big leap as from an Iowa psychologist perspective to be like, oh yeah, he can just do everything perfectly. Uh, so I think the movie just brings you along and you don't think about it. I think with, you know, with the book, we thought so much, we thought so much into these films too, where like some of those things that just, it flows fine in the movie. And montages in movies, you know, it it means you train for the last 10 years, the montage, right? Yeah. Um, but to really try to look at the timeline and think about it, it just is like, you're like, ah, I don't believe it. I can believe yeah. a Red Skull, Cosmic Cube, Captain <laughs> America, Frozen and Ice for 70 years. But I believe, no I believe Rocky. Training? I don't think so. Yeah, I think Rocky montage rules apply where, yeah. you know, if you're training in a montage, it just, it's like a multiplier. Yeah. So. You know, no he's... montage before he does the thing while he's Captain America. Though. That's true. That's what I'm That's saying. True. Training but montage there's, is fine. There's a case. They put him in that metal case, and we don't know what happens in that case. That's where everything changes. It, it, it uploaded his brain. Learning yeah. like the Matrix. Because you don't see his face. Military tactics. You don't know? Um, yeah, the only other thing I did, I just wanted to touch briefly on what Cy was saying, because I think that if you watch the new, um, and it, it's got, I don't think it's as good as some other shows, but the, the Winter Soldier Falcon show, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, they have a character, a U.S. agent, and I think I've heard or seen this comparison before that that character was created essentially to be what the U.S. is, whereas Captain America is what the U.S. wants to be or thinks it is or strives to be. And I, I think that's just such an apt comparison, especially in the, the society that we have today. Like, and we should always be striving to be the better, striving to be the servant leader, striving to be the Captain America. But with that, I, I, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. So we need to get our heart ratings and whether or not you two would renew your vows. So the heart ratings, I at least try to have relatively objective zero to five hearts in terms of your quality, uh, how good you think the movie is. Uh, and then the would you renew your vows is a little bit more subjective. Like, would you revisit this movie? Do you think you're going to watch it again in the future? Um, so I will go ahead and go first since I'm talking too much. And I'm going to give it I think, I, I think I'm probably going to give it a 4.5. We were talking about it, and, and Gordon, you've convinced me on some of the things that are maybe holes in it. I was waddling before between 4.5 or 4.75. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 hearts, but I would definitely renew. I am certain that I will watch this movie again, probably with my ch future children, uh, and also just at some point before I have them, probably. Danny? Um, yes, I will also no, I will give it a 4 out of 5 because it's not my favorite Marvel movie. Ant-Man. Gordon, I know you liked Ant-Man. Great movie. I love Ant-Man. Best Ant -Man Marvel movie there is. Um, Because I think it's 
it's shockingly better than I thought it was because I truly thought I saw it before. So I learned a lot watching it. I enjoyed my my eyes were happy the whole time, <laughs> except for the beginning. Um, and it had a really cute love story. And I stan a Peggy Carter spin-off reboot. We know that she was she existed in another universe. I still would like her to be Peggy Carter somewhere. There is a Oh, is it the same actress? Yep. Oh, never mind. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna show her that. <laughs> Gordon, what what is, what would you give it? Rating and uh, Bridge I was thinking about three point eight. You know, oh, I think it's, he didn't pick this movie. <laughs> I think it's a little below four, uh, and I don't round up. <laughs> the students, you got to round up. They're gonna they'll eat you alive if you don't round them up. Um, but I think the movie. So I think. I think it does. Chris Evans does a great setup here. Peggy Carter is great. I, I wish the villain story was better because I don't think the villains are bad actors. It's just kind of story wise, it's a little weird to me. I think the setting is really cool, and I would like to see more of the setting uh, in various ways as well. Uh, things like, uh, you know, the you know Tony Stark's dad, uh, and all that is pretty interesting. Uh, and so it is still, it's an interesting area and it's a, a very specific film. Um, I think this is, this is a Marvel film you remember because it's unique and doing its own thing while uh, movies that might technically be better just wash together more because they don't have that visual hook on it. So that, that's what I would say. All right, I think so. I will. I will go four point eight on this because Whoa. I'm a sucker. Yeah, because I'm a sucker for. I'm a <laughs> sucker for the classic, the classic heroes. So uh, I like Superman. You know, I like. Uh, I love the Rocketeer. Uh, so I'm. I'm also in the bag for Joe Johnston. And generally, I think I'm. I'm pretty easy going on Marvel movies because I remember an era when these movies were not nearly as good as they are now. So I'm very appreciative, but I also think this this movie gets hurt by the fact that the the Cap movies are way better on average. I you know Winter Soldier I think oh. is very very good. Um, Civil War, which has I have some issues with, is very very good. Mm. Um, if if anybody told me in 1998 that your you know that the best movies in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe were going to be you know, uh, Captain America movies. After seeing the the Roger Corman produced Captain America movie, uh, I would tell them you're out of your mind. But these <laughs> movies are are way better than they have any any reason to be. And uh, I really think that you know, First Avenger uh, kind of gets diminished because of those other movies. And I, I do think that this one, for what it is, uh, does a really great job. I think there are some pretty great sequences. So, for example. That montage is awesome. I wish I would love to see another whole movie where he's just fighting Nazis and you know Nazis Hydra. Mm -hmm. You know, take them all out. Yeah. Uh, let let Captain America run run wild. Uh, that that would be great. Um, and I think the central performances are are very very good. Uh, and I think I think there's some things that are real you know kind of janky about the movie. A little bit villain plot is like not great. I really do feel like they wasted. Hugo Weaving, despite the his epic German accent, right? Yeah, be, be, 
you know, if, yeah. if he was a drag, if they could just put him in the drag queen outfit, yeah. Um, the- Right. It would just it would just make things things better. Yeah. Uh, that that extra point two is is because they didn't put him in the outfit. Um, <laughs> I think overall, I think it's a really good time. I do expect to rewatch it. I think this might be one of the more kid friendly, despite the fact that Sunny gets gets chopped up by a by a helicopter blade. Uh, in this, uh, I think it's the most. Uh, that's actually Indiana Jones. Sorry, that, that's direct, <laughs> direct ripoff of Indiana Jones, right? Uh, I do think that the, this is maybe the most kid friendly one, so I can see you know my, my son and I watching this uh pretty soon, uh, you know, and I, th- I think it'll be a lot of fun to, to revisit these. And you know, this is a good you know, a lot of the MCU movies are actually kind of fun to have on if you're washing dishes or doing something else, you just want something going on in the background. Very good. All right. Well, that's it. That's everything we have for you, movie lovers. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we give Gordon and Sai a chance to plug themselves, Danny, where can uh, the, the listeners find you? And is there anything to plug that you have that's coming up? Uh, okay, for sure. You can follow me on Instagram at DannyMiami4 and find me at Comedy Sports Chicago. I do sh- virtual shows every Wednesday and live shows every Thursday. So please come check us out. And you can find me at Nick Loves Movies. That's N I C L U V Nick Loves Movies on Instagram and Twitter. Come follow me there. We may have sometime in the next coming months uh, some stuff about IO Movie Night. So if you want to learn a little bit more about IO psychology and how it ties to movies, that's not yet uh, fully in the bag. But there's no sort of agreements that I can't talk about wanting it to happen. So come follow me, and then maybe we'll get a chance to make it happen. You should put this on your list. There may or may not be conversations oh, that people are having like about it. those things as well. Um, also, follow us in Love With Movies. That's at the letter N, Love With Movies, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And also now, brand new listeners, if you are interested, we have just started a Patreon where you will begin, start to get some additional content there. Um, smaller things, certainly not full episodes or anything along those lines, but we will be very happy to, for you to uh, give to us at any level that you can. Danny was cracking jokes about the expensive equipment that we record on and how it doesn't work all the time necessarily the way we expect it to. Uh, we're still trying to pay some of that stuff off. So if you want to help us to do that, if you enjoy us, we'd really appreciate anything you can give there. Otherwise, just go ahead and give us a follow. And the best thing that you can do is share us. Share this. Share us. Share us. Share us. <laughs> If you enjoy any of this, share with somebody that you know. If you're somebody who really attaches to more of the love topics, let us know what you want to hear there. If you're somebody who, you know, attaches more to the movies, share us with somebody who's a movie lover. Tell them that they can just skip ahead to the the time code that we try to put into things. Whatever it is you like to do, uh, sharing us out broad and wide is really the best thing that you could do as well. So that's enough of us plugging ourselves. I want to give the floor to Gordon and Cy to plug themselves. Where can our listeners find you? And then, of course, make sure to plug your book at least one more time. All right. So you can find me mostly on Twitter at I-O Sai Islam, I-O-S-Y-I-S-L-A-M. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com backslash I-N backslash S-I-S-L-A-M. Uh, though my content on LinkedIn is pretty boring, I'd say. Um, <laughs> I I don't really use Instagram uh, very much, but uh, you can also you know check out uh, my consulting company's website, talentmetrics.io. I blog there occasionally. 
and you can learn a little bit more about uh, you know our book, Leaders Assemble, Leadership in the MCU. If you uh, go to Amazon and type that in, or if you want to use, we have a tiny URL for that. So tinyurl.com backslash Amazon MCU, all lowercase. Uh, so you can get that directly. Uh, and we'd love for you to check out the book. Tell us what you think. If you get a chance to read it, please reach out to us. We would love to talk about it. I don't know if everybody can tell, but we're really passionate about it. Gordon? Yeah. Uh, so I think Sai hit the book pretty well. Certainly, if you've got questions on anything or uh, you know, you want to read it in your book club or buy it for your series of libraries or your uh, 50 million friends, uh, feel free to reach <laughs> out. We can probably get you, uh, gets you some help with that. Uh, I, my, on Twitter, Twitter is probably the best way to find me. My Twitter ID is at IO Psychology. Uh, that is why you sign up for Twitter early because then you get wow. the whole name of your field. I was, original, I was about yeah. to say that's impressive, my friend. I always have that. <laughs> it's a pretty big flex overall. Um, so, but it's it's a pretty good handle to have. I am on LinkedIn as well. Feel free to add me there. Uh, I have relatively normal LinkedIn content. We've got more. I've got more fun content on Twitter nowadays because I'm connected with a lot more comic-y people, uh, which is interesting. Uh, you know, context collapse across things now that comics are both my fun and apparently professional is interesting. Uh, but so feel free to connect me through there. Uh, the other thing I will say is that Sai and I are working on a second book that's about Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Leadership, which is a fantastic franchise for this. Uh, and, you know, you'll learn about a concept and we'll connect it to a particular episode. So read yeah. a chapter, watch the episode. Very easy to do. Some of these MCO movies get along, uh, but it'd be, it'd be very easy to, uh, to pop these two things together. Read a chapter, uh, uh, watch an episode. So we're very excited about that. It's going to be a lot of different focus, focusing more on balance, cross-cultural leadership, uh, you know, and things like that, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we've been we've been working on that. Uh, for my research, uh, my research is mostly up on ResearchGate as well. If you want to look at anything, too, I do a lot of stuff on leadership, uh, the future of work related topics, uh, corporate social responsibility. Uh, and I love sharing with people and talking about it. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions or, uh, you know, if any consulting opportunities, anything you need help on, feel free to to do so. So I think that's, I think those are the things I'm hyping at the moment. So <laughs> love it, love it. And I will say thank you for bringing up you all's uh, next book that's coming. I wanted, to, I hope we, I hoped we were going to get a chance to plug that in. It is coming out sometime in the future, but it's worth noting that that is because this is all part of a series of books by Emerald Publishing. Um, that yeah. Also, so there's, there's a Star Wars book, there's a Middle Earth book, and there's a Harry Potter book. Harry Potter book's coming out very soon. No, well, it already it came out already. Yeah, already. I don't think I knew about the Harry Potter one. Very, very um, soon, then, because it's out. The Star Wars one. Obviously, I pre-ordered you all's Marvel one. So, uh, listeners, if you're into these topics, or maybe you identify one of those other fandoms more than necessarily the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, hey, check out one of those other books as well. They're not all written by uh, Cy and Gordon, but they're in the same type of vein in terms of leadership stuff. Yeah, they're fantastic books. Yep. Yeah, very good. They're well worth reading. That read out, uh, the, the Leaders Assemble comes out about a week, maybe 10 days after this, uh, this episode will be released. So if you're listening to this, uh, movie lovers, that means you can go pre-order it right now. We will provide that tiny URL. And otherwise, uh, go ahead and just Google Leaders Assemble, and I'm sure you'll be able to 
find where it's available to purchase near you if you're listening more than 10 days after this is released. So yeah. with that, uh, we love you, movie lovers. I love you, Danny. <laughs> I love you, Nick. And we love you, Cyan Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. I could do this all day. But <laughs> 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 In love.